0: allegedly, to where you can actually go off and do your own thing. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, it is. Welcome into the program. It is a pre-Friday celebration. Boy, lots of stuff to talk about today. Always things to cover. It's You don't even have to do a lot of prep anymore. You just have to look at the headlines, which I promise you we do more research than that. We do more preparation than that. But for those that are in my industry, there's never a lack of, gee, maybe I need to go deep diving and do some random stories to figure out topics to talk about. I have it very easy on that front. Now it's just doing the real research to figure out what is fact, and what is crap, and what is led by Democrat agendas. Ha! See what we did there? It was a joke. Thank you. I'll be here for the next hour. Welcome into the program, broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas, on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country on radio, TV, live streaming, and podcasting wherever you may be watching or listening. We appreciate you, your millennial general, reporting for duty. Bottom of this hour, we have Mark Cars. He is a Republican National Committeeman from here in the state of Kansas. He's a friend of mine, and we've had him on the show before. We have, for those that are living outside of the state of Kansas, we to, just to give you a heads up, let you know, we have our state Republican convention coming up this weekend. Kind of a big deal. So... I will be pay, be, uh, be taking part of that, obviously. He will be taking part of that. But I don't want to really talk about Kansas politics. We're going to be talking about the RNC and the GOP as a whole going into midterm season and uh, the midterm elections in November. So, uh, But it's great to have a Republican National Committee man actually on to talk about some of the stuff that's going on within the internal workings of the uh, RNC. So we'll do that at the bottom of this hour. I would really appreciate it, though, um, if I got some of your prayers and thoughts very solemn here. I mean, not solemn, but I need your thoughts and prayers. I am doing something after the program today that is going to take a lot of willpower to not go absolutely crazy. (laughs) Is after the program, shortly after the program, Little Voice of Reason and Mrs. Voice of Reason will be coming down to the studio and meeting up, and we will be going to an event tonight that hopefully will not have Daddy pulling out his hair. And that, of course, would be going to Disney on Ice. Now, now, We have gone to this event before, and I have to say honestly that if you've never been to a Disney on Ice presentation, I do honestly recommend it because like Disney, you know, in Disney fashion, they they don't hold anything back. They hold nothing back when it comes to the presentation, the elaborate, elegant presentation they put on. Obviously, they're ice skaters, but they have the light shows. They, like, have the thing where they twirl up in the air. Like, they go crazy with this show where you're like, "Wow, I don't know how they did that, and this is supposed to be just an ice skating presentation. But Disney on Ice is in town here in Wichita, and I will be going tonight. And Little Voice Reason is extremely excited. She's also taking a friend as well. So uh, we are going to go and do that. But I would really uh, appreciate your thoughts and prayers going into it tonight. Here's the reason why. is because you have to set a certain standard as a parent going into an event like this. You can't just go and just sit there and enjoy it and go home. It's so much more than that. First off, it's Disney, which means everything is three times as expensive as what it normally is because it's got the Disney sticker on it. Obviously, you know, congratulations, you are a consumeristic enterprise and people are willing to pay for it. So, therefore, they got you around the little finger because you just do whatever the little kid wants. When Little Voice of Reason gives you the puppy dog eyes, then you just shell out the cash, right? I mean, to a limitation, obviously, but you get the point. When you walk in, They obviously, they have all, if you've never been to one, here's what happens. You walk into the big venue, it's at our major uh, uh, arena here in town, and there's going to be tons of little kids screaming their heads off and little flashy lights and everything crazy going on. So it's already going to give you a seizure just by walking into the place with Disney all over and little girls, you know, screaming about the princesses. But then they have the vendors all along to where you can buy the Disney things. You can buy the... Uh, I don't know, the the thing from Moana from uh, Maui that he has, the, the sword or the axe, whatever it is. They have, you know, different princess tiaras and different whatever. But because they have the Disney brand on them for a little tiara that they're going to wear one time during the presentation and then it gets dropped back into the back of their closet and they forget all about it. And 10 years down the road when they're cleaning out old toys, they're like, oh, I totally remember this. But it never gets any use. It's like 25, 30 bucks. Now, You cannot buy it, and you can just move on and just forget about it, but the other ones judge you. The other little kids judge your little kid. You know how this game plays. They judge you. And when they look and they see that your kid doesn't have it, oh, they're that kind of parent. They're the stingy parents. Or, oh, you don't have the cool toy like I do. So it becomes a competition. Now, I don't like that sort of thing, so obviously we don't play into it. But this is the, the the environment that they set for you as the parent, where, yeah, it's cool that you've come, but now you need to spend the money on, like, the $7 beer. And trust me, Daddy's going to have an adult beverage tonight at the event. But then you got to buy the $20 tiara. You need to buy the toy. You need to buy the the, the menu and the pamphlet or the flyer or whatever. And uh, when you walk out of there, you spend so much ridiculous money, but it's for the little one. And Disney capitalizes on that. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying well played on the marketing scheme because it works out well. Because you look like kind of the jerk if you don't actually you know hype up your kid to do this kind of stuff. So thoughts and prayers would be much appreciated going into Disney on Ice tonight. It's going to be fun. Like I said, the presentation is pretty spectacular. It's Disney, so they don't hold anything back, and uh, it's pretty wild. But uh, if so, if you've never seen one, I do encourage it and recommend it. It is a lot of fun. But I I'm prepared for tonight. I'm prepared for an entire bunch of screaming kids singing Let It Go from Frozen and whatever other songs that they're going to have there tonight because they do all the different songs. So I am prepared. I am ready. I will have adult beverages on hand, and we'll be ready to rock and roll that's my little pitch for the day. So uh, thoughts and prayers would be much appreciated. (laughs) We got a lot to get to today. As we mentioned, we have the state of the Republican party versus the state of the Democrat party. The Democrats are struggling a bit on a midterm election platform right now. And the fact that they're in the leadership position, they should have a lot to talk about. It should be the other way around where Republicans are trying to scrap to find something to be able to go after on the offense about. And right now, they're completely in control of the situation, and Democrats are on the defense trying to defend their failure of an agenda over the last year. So I find that ironic. We'll get to that in a minute. But I need to create a scenario for you here for just a second. If you're driving, I want you to do the theater of the mind here. That's what we are in radio, right? It's the theater of the mind, trying to create that story and presentation for you. I want to go back to 2020 and the election, and I don't want to use this as a talking point for the election and voter fraud. I want to use this as an an example for something that's going on Right now, but I want you to remember what happened during the election of 2020 and why. Not saying that there was fraud, I'm saying that there was suspicion to have fraud to look into investigations. But if you remember, we saw the videos of just, you know, ballots, mail ballots coming in from the trunk of cars. We had the issue even before that election with the Georgia governor's race, where all of a sudden there were just ballots and just boxes of ballots coming out of trunks of cars that were, oh, we totally forgot about these. Uh, And she still didn't win uh, with Stacey Abrams, but they tried the tactic. And we saw the cameras being shut down. We saw uh, voting precincts being shut down. We saw the uh, random numbers popping up in the middle of the night sort of thing. It was very strange. A lot of people were very curious of what the heck was actually going on. What we're seeing now, and, and if they would have, if they could have, they would have blamed Donald Trump for the entire scenario, but they were trying to defeat Trump. Everything else was Trump's fault on the system, on the voter fraud, on on uh, why other people couldn't vote, why illegal immigrants weren't allowed to vote. It was all Donald Trump's fault in everything since. Now, I want you to fast forward to this time, and let's pretend for just a second that that didn't happen. Donald Trump was in office, and we held the census last year in 2020. Remember the U.S. census? You know, everybody Talks about, you know, who's in the country, the population, how the medium income for everybody, where we all live, where the populations, you know, reside across the nation, to where we can set where money goes, where we can set the elected officials for proper representation, that whole thing. During Trump's time in office, apparently, because the media always has to blame Trump for everything, he's shortened the amount of time that they were allowed to decipher all of the reports coming in for the census for them to make their judgment on coming out with the new landscape of population Information. Well, they're blaming that now because there's a headline from MSN saying that the minority populations were underrepresented and undercounted by near 19 million across this nation. Now, the reason I bring up the 2020 election and the potential voter fraud and the issue that went on there is because this has obviously been going on for a while when it comes to the lack of counting in a respectable manner or a transparent uh, amount of accountability that goes into counting, whether it's an election or something like the census. The federal government obviously has a major challenge collecting data for the entire population and trying to come to some form of consensus to it. They're struggling with this, not only with voting issues on the elections, with what happened there potentially, but also, and I use the allegedly in air quotes, For those that uh, are listening on the radio. But now, how do you miscount 19 million, by exact 18.8 million people, and all of them are black, Latino, and indigenous residents? Imagine if Donald Trump were president right now, and this story came out. Could you imagine they already thought that he was a crazy, wild, racist, radical nutjob, Nazi, and whatever else they tried to call him, which is stupid because it makes zero uh, rational sense in any way, shape, or form. But imagine if Donald Trump were president right now and a story came out that 19 million minorities were underrepresented in the census after the numbers came out. Andy, why does this matter right now? Here's exactly why this matters right now, and we'll get to the point. The, the lines statewide across the nation are already being redrawn for congressional seats based on population size. The cities, obviously, that have been expanded, uh, changing the you know the issues about gerrymandering with redrawing congressional seats for both the national and the statewide seats all over the country state by state. Based on what the populations showed with the census, the lines have already been redrawn. The things are already being challenged. I mean, here in Kansas, we already have our redrawing of lines being challenged in court. They're already done. Because the info came out back in August, September, October. But now they say that the, according to MSN.com, the 2020 census undercounted the country's population by 18.8 million individuals, acknowledging that the count had underrepresented black, Latino, and indigenous people, meaning that they weren't counted in the redrawing of the lines, meaning that the underserved populations like this, are not being counted in the population changes from census to census that happens every 10 years. Meaning Democrats, oh, we totally forgot, who, by the way, are in control of the federal government right now dealing with this issue, and they have been since January of last year when the census even began, they're the ones that, oh, we totally forgot to count half of the minority population in the country and their growth and where they're actually at. Does this say anything about the crazy, obstructive control that Democrats have over the minority populations. And with this story, it's just like, oh, no, we totally forgot. Like, we just counted. We just totally found these census bags, you know, in the backseat of the trunk or whatever. And we're just trying to recount them now. Uh, And they're just blowing it off as no big deal. The only thing they're trying to do is blame it on Trump again, which I find ironic, because Trump apparently shortened the amount of time that they have to actually report this. And if he wouldn't have done that, it was already a crazy time with COVID. It was already a crazy time with what was going on. And then we had a shorter amount of time to actually count it. It's all Trump's fault. Instead of Democrats who have been the abusers, who voted for Jim Crow laws, who voted for the segregation, who voted for slavery, who tried to keep the – who still, by the way, keep the financial servitude of the minority populations down in the inner city communities by saying, we'll take care of you, don't you worry, with our social programs, they totally forgot – To count that 19 million people in these communities, which, by the way, affects how much money goes into those communities to help take care of them. Are you seeing the bigotry coming out of the Democrat Party? But yet they don't want to acknowledge it. The media is not even holding the federal government accountable. They just have to slip it in that, oh, that was Trump's fault for us not giving enough time to actually count these. Because remember, it's always Donald Trump's fault, right? The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Bring some reason into your day.
0: This is the voice of reason with Andy Hoosier. This is a wild story. I'm surprised no one's talking about it nearly enough because the according to the federal government, they are just kind of swiping it under the rug and saying, well, it's close enough, it's accurate enough. So therefore, we don't need to redo anything. But you're talking 19 million people that they forgot randomly to count when it came to the census. All of them, vast majority of them, were minority individuals. you got to remember what the census does. It not only gives us information about population size, population growth, what it does over 10 years, where people are moving to or moving from, but it also delegates how many representatives have in a state, uh, where their lines are supposed to be drawn to have the proper representation to keep things equal and fair when it comes to a constitutional republic but it also sets the amount of funding at the federal and at the statewide levels for certain social programs for certain school districts and education this sets the precedent on where money goes all over the place According to the MSN story, the U.S. population grew to 323.2 million individuals, a 5% increase from the census that happened back in 2010. Uh, here's what they say. According to Santos, Robert L. Santos, the, Bureau, the Bureau's director, says, quote, we remain proud of the job that we accomplish in the face of immense challenges, and we are ready for work with the stakeholders and the public to fully leverage this enormously valuable resource. Uh, he goes, They all go on to say the 2020 census faced a series of challenges, with the coronavirus pandemic shutdown, much of the count, uh, much of the count, just as it was at the beginning of April of 2020, uh, forcing the bureau to extend its work by nearly two months later in the year. Wildfires in the West and coastal hurricanes, and da-ba-da-ba-da. here's where they like to blame Trump. You know, oh, sorry, we totally forgot to count these people, and it's all Trump's fault, even though he's completely out of office. The Trump administration later moved up the deadline to finish the counting, raising concerns about the undercount and the accuracy of the census. The problem led to many experts, including some senior bureau officials, to worry that the final count would be fatally flawed. So, I don't know how he did that since the fact that Trump wasn't in office and if they, that was a big concern, why didn't Joe Biden extend it? He only reversed every other executive order from Donald Trump on January in the beginning of January when he took office. So why didn't they extend it if they were concerned about this? Hey, we got COVID, we have hurricanes, we have wildfires, we have people not responding back, things are going on. Maybe we should extend this out a little bit. But they didn't. But they're blaming Trump for it, which I find quite ironic. Now they're reporting that 19 million people got undercounted. A lot of them uh, minorities. A lot of them in inner city communities. So what are they doing about it to fix the issue, right? Because if it does handle the funding for education, if it does handle the funding for social programs, if it does set the uh, district lines for congressional seats all over the nation, what does that actually change? According to the story, experts who drafted the report... Uh, in September, a 59-page analysis of 2020 census commissioned and reviewed by the American Statistical Association said the count appeared accurate enough for its overriding constitutional purpose of reallocating the 435 seats in the House of Representatives. Meaning, it's good enough. We're good. We may not have counted 18.8 million vote, or a million people on the census. It's good enough. I'm telling you, the fact that they're so blasé about this news story— boggles my mind, but it doesn't because if Donald Trump were in office right now, they would look at this story and be like, well, Donald Trump really is the truly horrible, racist, bigoted Nazi that he is trying to keep the underserved communities continuously underserved. Look at that. We're not getting the funds that we need to. We're not getting the redistricting lines to have a better voice for these communities, to have a better say in the, in the government. We're not getting the proper money sent to the educational systems. We're not getting a proper count of what's going on in these communities. You, Joe, uh, Donald Trump, are the most horrible human being on the face of the earth. The fact that Joe Biden's in office and Democrats are running the federal government, eh, it's close enough for government work. It's good enough quality. It's fine. These aren't the droids you're looking for. Just to let you know, though, something happened, but according to our research, it's close enough. Wow. Wow. Blows my mind. When we come back, got to take a break. Right around the corner, Mark Kars. He's a Republican National Committeeman. We'll talk about the RNC. We'll talk about our state convention here in the state of Kansas, where I'm based out of. We'll talk about moving into general election season for the midterms. It's going to be a big year. Things like this, another oopsie for the Biden administration, I think. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: when reason meets radio
0: you're listening to the voice of reason with andy hoosier darn right you are welcome back into the program here on a pre-friday celebration i still can't get over that story that's hilarious we got lots more to get to we have kamala harris over in poland where she's kind of made a fool of herself there as well we'll touch on that here in just a little bit we have cryptocurrencies being regulated by the biden administration. i mean why not right the government needs more money they got to find new ways to regulate you so we'll get to that here all in just a minute as well. By the way, shout out to OpsLens.com where we are live streaming on their website, on their app, also on their social media as well. we got a lot of new family there, a.k.a. followers and listeners. So thank you guys for that. You can always leave a comment there. Email me, Network at gmail.com. Again, Network at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions about the show, I'd love to hear from you there, uh, which I do have an email we'll read a little bit later with our Mailbox segment. What's in the Mailbox? Yeah, we'll do that in a little bit. But first, we have our latest in what's trending. What's trending today? So, coming up this weekend here in the state of Kansas, where my flagship station is, we have a big event with our Republican state convention. We're also getting set for the election season. The GOP, so much momentum right now. National polls uh, still show Republicans up, what, five, eight, ten points over Democrats nationally. Can we maintain that? My big question has always been what can we do to screw it up? So I'm happy to have this guy on the program. He's a great friend and I love him here in the state of Kansas. He is a Republican national committee person, a committee man here in the state representing Kansas, Mr. Mark Cars with us. Mark, how are you, my friend?
1: Andy, great. Thanks for having me back, Mr. Voice of Reason.
0: Hey, well, yeah, it's good to have you on the program. It's a big weekend for us here in Kansas, but it's I think it's a big year overall for Republicans all over the place, because I've never felt the momentum going into an election season like I have going into this one. I think it stems from the anger of the election of 2020 with Donald Trump losing and the momentum of stopping Joe Biden uh, having to promote his ridiculous agenda, if he can remember his agenda, half the time going into this year.
1: Well, and of course, everything falling off the wheels. We've, We've had a year of this presidency and everything that can go wrong has gone wrong. And uh, voters are very uh, regretful of the decision that he's in the White House right now. And we had excellent off-year elections, the nonpartisan elections, the voter turnout. As an example, Texas just had their first primary, and voter turnout increased overall dramatically. But among Republicans, almost 35 percent. (laughs) Fewer Democrats voted than the previous primary. So there is a lot of interest among Republicans and independents.
0: I love that. Have you heard anything from messaging from the Democrat side? I mean, right, I saw the headline that right now the Biden administration itself is trying to rebrand the whole Build Back Better because they have nothing else to run on. the The borders are still open down at the southern border. So far, we've now walked away from two conflicts with Iraq or with Afghanistan, and now with Ukraine. Uh, we have inflation that's sitting at near seven and a half percent. I think going up to eight percent here for the month of February and March. Uh, we have just a disaster all around. I mean, I've never seen gas this high either. They have nothing else to run on. Have you heard what their actual strategy is? How are they going to try and get Democrat voters to show up to the polls in November?
1: Well, they have to get their base out to have any chance of uh, holding the majority in either in either caucus, in either body. So they're going to try to get a version of Build Back Better passed. They're working with Manchin on some of the uh, uh, less extreme uh, parts of that legislation and I think they are, they're enjoying the distraction of the of the Russia-Ukraine war, and they're trying to blame that uh, as a responsible – as a res, that's what's responsible for inflation. That's not going to, of course, convince anybody of that. I think gas may go up as a result of this embargo, but gas is at an all-time high, and it's been that way most of this year. And so I just think Democrats are really in a bad position – uh, coming into this uh, 2022 uh, mid midterm election.
0: Yeah, I saw a poll just a couple of days ago saying that Biden's poll numbers went up slightly after the State of the Union speech where he tried to talk tough on Russia uh, Russia, and do the sanctions and try and, you know, we're going to stop them, we're going to cut off their banks, we're going to do this and that and the other. And uh, his poll numbers went up a little bit, at least on the other side of the aisle, with the base but I don't know how long that's going to last to the fact that, you know what, uh, now they're trying to say, like you said, gas prices and inflation is because of Russia, but gas prices were increasing year over year already, and 7.5% inflation rates were in January before this issue actually happened. So he may try to talk tough, quote unquote, but at the same time, like it's only going to last for so long be- between people just get fed up with this stuff. Well, and
1: inflation is affecting all sectors of the economy. and It's not just gas, it's rentals. Uh, uh, purchases of cars, food, energy, all of the sectors have grown dramatically in in inflationary pressures this year. And so they're they're in a really tough spot, and I'm very thankful for it. Uh, We're very optimistic nationally. Uh, I don't want to be overconfident, but uh, we, we really are in a great position to take back the House. And I think we're really in a really strong position to potentially flip the Senate.
0: Good. I, I so wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I want you to talk a little bit about that from the from the RNC standpoint nationally with what they are looking at and optimistically what we could see uh, with where they're strategizing to focus attention on for elections this year and what we could see as an outcome if we do have the potential to take over the House and the Senate.
1: Well, there, we thought just with the redistricting, since we have a new census out, that we would pick up five to 10 new seats, just because of the change in in demographics, the growth in red states, several blue states lost seats. We thought just with that alone, we had a good chance of taking back the House. But given the uh, the first year of the Biden administration, the debacle in Afghanistan, inflationary pressures, um, I haven't seen a hard number estimated, but what I hear thrown around is we're looking at potentially and we have to continue to have our message correct, continue to work hard, continue to get the voters out to vote and so forth and so on. But we've recruited well and I think we're looking at at, at hopefully anywhere from a 30 to 50 uh majority in the in the in the house <laughs> after the November election.
0: Wow. I mean, they're sitting at what like a 20 uh voter majority right now. So we would just be able to we'd be able to just walk through whatever we wanted to in the house.
1: Yeah, we we would have a super majority of conservative votes in the House. Um, yeah. They've had more retirements this this cycle than they've had in thirty years. It's almost surpassed the numbers that we had in uh, before we lost control of the House back when Speaker Ryan. So there, there a lot of them are exiting the door. They see what's happening. They know they're going to lose the majority, and so a lot of them are retiring. So that's great news. The that Senate is, is a, it's a it's more of a toss coin toss. We've recruited well. We've got really great candidates running in in Georgia, in New Hampshire, in Nevada. Uh, We've got uh, Ron Johnson running again in Wisconsin, which was key. And um, I I think uh, I'm optimistic that we're going to take control of both chambers.
0: That would be amazing. That would be amazing. And that would really make the Biden administration just kind of a stalemate for a couple of years until that election, which hopefully we can ramp up and be able to take that one back as well. Talk about the Republican platform right now. And I know that this is a big discussion here in the state of Kansas with working on our state platform for the GOP. Uh, uh, But I like it because it's kind of the launching pad for a conversation on the national level for other states and for the RNC as a whole. Um, Do you see it becoming clearer for conservative principles? Do you see that messaging uh, through the platform that you guys are working on being able to be uh, um, expressed out in different communities that normally don't hear about Republican or conservative values?
1: Well, hopefully, if our candidates would, would speak more about it, our platform, I love this platform, and I think it's going to pass without any difficulty. Uh, we talk about our country, our constitution, our judiciary. We focus on families and community, the right to bear arms, all court, you know, the, our, our culture on the respecting of life, our military, um, our position on legal immigration, health care san of marriage our economy children, safer communities so we've got a really diverse uh, diverse in the in the sense that it covers so many different areas we've got a really strong platform spent a lot of time on it had a lot of open forums had a lot of good input. It's a very conservative platform, and I, and I expect it's going, to do, it's going to pass overwhelmingly on Saturday.
0: I really love that. I really love it. We're talking with Mark Kars, a uh, Republican national committeeman here from the state of Kansas, as we get ready for our state convention this weekend. Other states, have you heard from other state conventions as well on the momentum from other places? I mean, I'm assuming the energy is just as strong out there, isn't it?
1: Nationally, it is. And in yeah. the states where we, the swing states that really have a lot of energy, Arizona, Wisconsin, Florida, some of those states that were uh, considered swing states that just have a lot of energy. And uh, we're seeing across the country. But a lot of it has to do with uh, excellent recruitment. We've recruited excellent candidates. We have Amanda Atkins running in the third. It's the only district that we don't control. She's an excellent candidate. She's one of the top ten fundraisers, one of the top five
0: fundraisers.
1: in the nation. She's done a really good job, and we are very hopeful that we're going to flip that state, that seat for us.
0: Yeah, that would be really nice. Uh, The message of unifying here within the Republican Party, I know that especially here in Kansas, we've seen this in other states as well quite a bit, but um, obviously a lot of candidates that cause division. Now, I love primaries. I love us being able to challenge each other going into a primary election, Uh, but there's some places where we're not seeing that. There's really a push between a unified singular candidate going into general elections here in Kansas. We have our governor's race where there's no opponents going into the primary, which is going to make it all the stronger. Uh, Do you think that that's also helping kind of the unifying message of Republicans right now? Well,
1: I do think it's helpful that we have, we've really gotten behind one candidate. The RNC has come out and endorsed uh, Derek Schmidt, which is in an open seat. Well, it's not open, but we don't control the seat. That's a little unusual, but Uh, When Dr. Collier uh, had to pull out because of health concerns, uh, there really wasn't anyone else that was interested in running. Derek had built and amassed a pretty strong uh, line of support. And so I think that's been very helpful. I think primaries are a good thing. I support them 100 percent. But I think when we're out of the cedar crest, if we can get behind one good conservative candidate like Derek Schmidt, I think that's best. But we do have competitive primaries. The treasurer's seat is wide open. The attorney general's seat. Is also wide open. Those are two very competitive primaries, and it'll be interesting to watch
0: those. A lot of big stuff going on for both the state of Kansas and nationwide for the Republicans. It's Mark Cars. Republican National Committeeman. Mark, it's good to talk to you, my friend. I appreciate the time. Keep up the fight. Let's get you back on here again soon. Thank you,
1: Andy. Appreciate it very much.
0: Appreciate you, Mark, as well. We'll take a break here. We'll wrap up the program today for a pre-Friday celebration. Lots more coming up. Stay here. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier.
1: Fighting for freedom every
0: day. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. I don't mean to brag or to remind you at all, but St. Patrick's Day is just a week away from today. Just saying. I'm sure you're excited about it just as much as I am. Welcome back into the program. Thanks again to Mark Cars coming on the program. Republican National Committee, man here from the state of Kansas, getting ready not only for our state convention, but the RNC all around preparing for election season. Andy, why do you talk about your home state? We're not in your home state. I know we have a lot of listeners outside of Kansas. In fact, i got to get a hat tip to Arizona. The last two months in a row, you guys have been the number one podcast downloaded state to listen to the podcast, so thank you guys for that. Whoever's listening out in Arizona, I love you guys. I appreciate it very much, and uh, keep on keeping on. So we appreciate that very much. No, there's a reason why we did that. Number one, because he did talk about the RNC as a whole and the energy we have as a Republican Party, but the state of Kansas has brought out a lot of Republicans to the federal level. Over the years. I mean, we had uh, Chris Kobach, our former Secretary of State. He worked a lot with the Trump administration, was part of the Election Integrity Commission, along with Mark Kars, by the way, who was just on. He was on there as well with the Election Integrity Commission. Uh, talking about that, we had uh, Sam Brombeck, our former governor in the state. He is still, I believe, it's kind of one of those uh, positions where the Democrats don't really pay attention to it or don't really care, but he is, I got to remember his uh, position. He's officially the uh, International... Religious freedom something um, representative for the United Nations. And he loves it. And he's he's still there rocking it. Obviously, Mike Pompeo, uh, congressman from where I'm at right here, where Congressman Ron Estes took over his seat when he became secretary of state or became CIA, uh, CIA director and then secretary of state from right here in the state of Kansas. We punch out a lot of awesome conservatives coming out of here and representing nationally. And we need more of that. The good old boys between Kansas, Texas, and kind of the heartland of the country. We kind of rock it. Not saying the rest of the country doesn't because you guys have some awesome ones, too. But, you know, there are those moderate ones, even like Wyoming. Where the heck did you get Liz Cheney? I'm sorry. I mean, <laughs> uh, where did you get Liz Cheney? Now, you guys are on topic with trying to denounce her as a Republican because she's nowhere near a Republican. But you have Ben Sass out of Nebraska as well. What the hell's wrong with that guy? Yeah, come on, man. Arizona, you had Jeff Flake. You had uh, John McCain. You had some others that are just like, yeah. I'm going to wash myself, take a shower, thinking to myself, a Republican, i got to get off that uh, Republican cloak there after hearing some of those names and what they've actually done. They're a disgrace to the Republican Party. We're working to clean up the party to to be what it was before, to be a conservative, limited government, free market, laissez-faire party where we support not just lowering the amount of growth, but actually cutting taxes, actually cutting spending. Actually, getting rid of government programs or or downsizing them and letting the private sector actually handle things. I know it's a wild concept in today's times, and with how the political spectrum and the pendulum has swung so far to the other side of the aisle, I know that that's a very uh, controversial thing to say. I know that it's a very "quote unquote" radical position to say. But here's a very radical statement for you: We don't need a fed a national Department of Education. (laughs) Here's another one for you. We don't need a federal environmental protection agency. They could be gone, like not just limited and downsized. They could just shut the doors goodbye. There's so many of those agencies we could spend the rest of the hour talking about some of those. But in today's time, it's a very controversial thing. How did we ever survive without those agencies before they came about in the 1950s and 60s? Whatever did we do before them? Oh, no, we only became the strongest nation on the face of the earth. And since those agencies were created, the quality of whatever they're trying to manage has gone downhill. Education, the environment, the energy, housing, transportation, the uh, highways, whatever. They've gone downhill since government got involved with them. Try and prove me wrong. And you can at email at HoosierMediaNetwork at gmail.com. Real quickly, with the ongoing hike in prices, again, we have private sector options that no one wants to talk about, but there are options out there where we could get rid of the Russian oil. We don't have to raise gas prices, and we could currently, with things that we're doing right now, we could actually lower prices that the private sector can handle for example.
1: I think the other thing that's really interesting, and this was a stat I had heard yesterday, is that the United States imports 200,000 barrels a day of oil from Russia. You know what? That's about the same amount of idled ethanol capacity in the United States. And so if we would just have all the ethanol plants running in the United States, we could replace the import of oil from Russia into the United States. And I think those are the kind of things that allow us to have direct and immediate impact on the price of gasoline.
0: What did he say? We could lower the price of gas immediately just by producing more ethanol, cutting off Russian oil, being more energy independent here. That was Chuck Woodside. He's with KAPA, K-A-A-P-A, out of Nebraska. Ethanol production. Yeah, we could produce it right now. Oh, yeah, government won't let us because it's really bad for the environment. We could lower gas prices just like that. They won't let us do it again the efficiency of the federal government that does it for us today podcast up in just a little bit back at it tomorrow for a friday here on the voice of reason we'll see you on the radio